This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is... You win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. OK, thanks everybody for coming. We're clearly quorum, which is good. Quorum is either 20 or 25 and we've clearly got... 40-odd people in the room, so thank you for coming after what was, unfortunately, quite a deflating afternoon. Looked good at one stage, less good later on. As um, was it Sven-Goran Eriksson said, first half good, second half not so good. But uh, OK, has everyone got an agenda? If you haven't got an agenda, we, Ian at the back has some, some copies there. Now, before we start, there's one or two people have said to me they've tried to renew their membership and not been able to. If people have had problems, they can pay, pay cash here today, and they can pay, I think Neil, Neil at the back will, will take any membership renewals that we have from people, or if there are any new members today that wish to join. Okay? Right, I think the, the, the first item is introduction and overview. What I'd like to do, we have guests who aren't here yet, who are um, PC Paul Wright and Inspector... Jim Brockway from the local football intelligence unit. They're coming. They will be here by half past six, and they will take the. And you know, we're allowing an hour for that because obviously there are a lot of issues, recent events, also touting security around the ground, the queues at the tubes afterwards, all these issues that, that, that they'll handle. We'd like to cover Paris briefly, but only briefly, and then if there's, there's any particular questions that the police can have at the end. I mean. I think the first thing we'd say is, after what happened, we, we put out a statement, the CST put out a statement, as, you know, as the club did. The club responded extremely quickly. We put out a statement condemning it. Um, I think we've been fairly active in the media, trying to make the point that this was not representative of all Chelsea supporters, that most Chelsea supporters are not like that, most football supporters are not like that. And you know, some, some of the media have been quite good about that and understood, and, and others, others inevitably have their own agenda and, and have gone their own way. I think the issue as well is about due process and people getting named in the papers before any, any sort of legal proceedings have been followed. Um, I think the other issue about Paris was there's a number of people in here that I can see that I was with outside the ground who had, <coughs> you know, there were supporters assaulted there was, by police, there were people who had CS gas spray. If you were, if you were amongst those people, some submit, it's on the club website, it's on our website, submit a details of your experience to the club. 
The club will collate them and they will take them to UEFA. This has happened to us in France before, it's happened to other clubs in France, and it's happened to England supporters in France. The only way UEFA will do anything about it is if there's a concerted campaign by, by clubs that are affected, and that has to be a grassroots feed of, of, of what, what happened. My, my sense is, Cliff, I think I'm right in this, that the club are keen to follow this one up. They're not just going to brush it under the carpet. Well, yeah, I, I, I hope they would. I mean, yep. we have been in touch with them before over issues uh, of, of Chelsea fans abroad when there's been, uh, been problems. And um, to be quite honest with you, they haven't done too much in the past, but hopefully this time it will spur them into action. I mean, obviously it's been overshadowed by the, the events on the Metro, um, but, you, you know, there's no reason why this can't be taken uh, seriously yep. as well. Chelsea have had some very good reports sent in so far on my um, prior to the game concerning get, uh, entry and um, they are going 100% full steam ahead on this issue. They are um, very upset about it. It was witnessed by um, Chelsea staff including the uh, head of security Keith Overstall and um, they're not very happy about it at all. Well, I think just a, sorry, Tim. Just a quick point. If anybody other than Tim wants to have a, 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 you know, have their say about something, please let me know. There is a spare mic yep. here, but as we're broadcasting it out um, or streaming it out to people, they won't hear unless you have a mic. So just wave in my general direction. I'll make sure you get a mic. But in, in terms of Paris, we're not, certainly not trying to shut the issue down, and there will, maybe will be issues about about the policing later on. But you know, we've done what we believe was right. I think my personal view is that the club have done what they believe is right. There's only so much the club can do. I do not see how the club can be blamed for the activities of half a dozen people on a train four miles away from a football ground. So, given that, I think that they are, they're obviously perturbed by what happened and they're trying to react in, in the right way. As I say, one or two papers have got an agenda. You get them saying, why won't Mr Abramovich come out and personally condemn it? Well, he's never made a statement in 12 years at the club. He doesn't work like that. He's not um, Whelan at Wigan. He's not one or two of our other owners who will talk about anything. So I think that, you know, they have to respect that. And I think they are using it as a stick to beat Chelsea with. That's unfortunate, but I think the club are probably doing... what The, the way they're handling it is probably the best that they can. OK, so that's, that's Paris. Now... Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yes, it, it, the email address is customer.services at chelseafc.com. And that... What happens is I've, I've sent mine in, customer services at chelseafc.com. They will, they will send you a response, an acknowledgement within an hour or two to say that it's been collated. Customer.services. Customer yep. Okay, thanks, Stuart. Customer.services at chelseafc.com. Okay, so if we move on to the more formal agenda, um, a couple of updates on, on where we are. I think the first one is on on ticketing. Now, the club haven't yet announced their season ticket prices for next season. Arsenal, Tottenham and Palace have all put freezes in. So we wrote to the club and said, given, given this, given how in low inflation is, you know, surely there's a compelling case for a freeze. This was before the TV deal, when all the, the extra 70%, and I think we'll come to a bit later, a possible cam campaigning around... For, not for next season, but for the season after is when the TV deal kicks in, around lower prices, certainly around prices for young people. So we, we sent the submissions to the club. There was a meeting with 
uh, with Bruce Buck on the subject. They didn't make, commit to anything. You wouldn't expect them to, but they did listen to what we said, and they say they understand the points that we were making. So I think it's good that we've got that message out. That Chelsea usually announce their season ticket prices end of March, something like that, I think. So I would expect to hear. So I wouldn't expect to hear anything early. And you know, we did ask as well around possibly discount for young people. We'll just have to see. Again, he understood why we put it in there, but he didn't. He didn't commit to anything. I think the big the big party is in is what we do over the next 12 months with other trusts around ticket prices for 2016-17. So that's ticket pricing. The, the next one, standard update, the campaign to remain at Stamford Bridge. I mean, there's not really any news on that. I mean, a number of you, again, I see are CPO shareholders, will either have been to the CPO meeting or will have you know, picked, it up one way, picked up information one way or another. I mean, we put a statement in our newsletter, which we sent out on Sunday night, if anyone's got, seen that or got any questions on that, then I'm, I'm happy to take questions. But to be honest, we put in questions saying, is there dialogue between the CPO board and the club? How engaged are you? How engaged do you think you will be going forward? And they basically came back and said, they've asked to be as involved as possible. They've, they've not been involved in any discussions, really, except this developments to the streetscape, which are the streets around Stamford Bridge, and they got Rick Glanville involved because Rick, being a club historian, understands the sort of the, the, the colour history of the club, if you like, in terms of you know colour schemes and what have you. But there's not been anything more than that now. And I, I even had a interface conversation with CPO Chairman Steve Franken before and said, "Is there anything you can't tell us?" And he said, "No." So the, the, my sense is that there isn't a sort of hidden agenda. That there is just no news. So it may be some time, I suspect before the club make any announcement. I think the sense is that they're going to do a lot of the work before they start floating ideas around. So the original thoughts that we picked up, that there might be some announcement last October, are clearly, well, clearly not right, because that's four months ago. But I think you know, it may be some time, some considerable time, before there's, there's, a, there's a formal announcement. But you know, the CPO directors say that they remain committed to the company's objects. A redevelopment would not affect the fundamental purpose of CPO, and their future role is and will remain a matter for the shareholders and not for the club. So, you know, that, that's pretty clear from uh, the CPO board. And we'll, we'll, we'll see where we, <coughs> where we go on that. Okay, any, no questions on the, the stadium? Okay. The next thing, it's, a, it's relatively minor, but the Department of Culture, Media and Sport set up an expert working group on football governance. Now... This is, to an extent, about ownership of clubs, and obviously, you know, clubs like Portsmouth and Wrexham and, and, and others that are owned by the, by the supporters. And we made a submission, and our submission was, clearly, given the current structure at Chelsea and the value of the club, supporter ownership of the club is completely unrealistic. But supporter representation on the football club board is one of our long-term ob objects amongst the supporters' trust, and is something that we would, we would work towards. I think other trusts put in similar submissions, except one or two of them... You know, Manchester United obviously have a different issue because of the, of, of the Glazers, so their trust had a, a different view. Arsenal have got a different view. Theirs is about owning, owning shares. So some of them were different, but, and whether it will be listened to, I don't know. But we are only three months before an election. 
I suspect all that will happen is we say we note this and after the election we might do something about it. But we thought it was important to get to, to, to get a view in there. So that's what we did. Um, right. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Is that, do you want that? Too cold? Obviously not sitting where I am. Okay. Are you going to minute that? <laughs> Please do. I think one, one other area where we, we did take a lead last season was on safe standing. And, you know, we, we organised a survey. Was it four, three or 4,000 responses, I think? Went, went to the club. Vast majority in favour of, of safe standing being implemented at, at Stamford Bridge. I mean, that, that still stands, but it's interesting that people like the Welsh Assembly are now starting to take it seriously. They're having serious discussions in Scotland about it. My sense is that the tide is with the Safe Standing campaign, and over time it will happen. Whether it happens at Chelsea, whether the, you know, certainly under, with the current ground, who knows. But, you know, Aston Villa are on record as saying they're interested. Manchester United are supposedly interested. I don't expect it to happen in the very near future but they, the, the media seem more in favour and there's less politicians actively against it and I think frankly this was always a long haul I take my hat off to John Darch who organises the Safe Standing campaign and organised the roadshow we held last season but I think it, it, it may take some time but I do think we'll get there in the end one other area related to that which I think would be good to, to cover is atmosphere in the grounds now I don't know who, who Neil or Ian, who's going to, who wants to take that one? Because there have been a number of initiatives recently that we've been involved in. I think it, uh, Neil will now talk about this. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so Neil Beard, uh, Vice Chair, CST. Um, we've had several meetings with senior members of the Chelsea board uh, talking about atmosphere in the ground. I hope you've noticed that things have improved. I think they have generally. Uh, some of that coming from us, some of that, sorry? Okay, well, but generally, um, it's a hard thing to change overnight. Yeah, There are some major things we need to do with the ground in terms of getting the right supporters into the right areas, um, getting a bigger ground, um, safe standing. All these things have been talked about. Um, those dialogues continue. We will continue to meet with the club at the senior levels. Um, and we're interested in your views as well. Anything that we haven't thought about that you might have as views to improve atmosphere, do let us know. Our job is to go and take those to the, to the club at the most senior level. Uh, and they are listening to us. I think that's the biggest thing we will say is uh, they trust us and we've had a good engagement with them. Question. Notice since the um, QPR game that where I'm in the Matthew Harding Lower, I haven't been asked to sit down at any home game since. Has there been a change in stewarding procedure? So... Not officially. So the meetings we've had have been off the record and unofficial. We have mentioned it, that over-vigorous stewarding will not help atmosphere. And they have relaxed it, I think. Off the record, yeah? So we are making our, our, our thoughts known. It's good to hear that, actually. Nobody, since a certain point this season, if you can uh, all remember, there was uproar when Chelsea was sending letters to people saying, if you constantly stand we're going to withdraw your membership or your privileges they stopped 
and that nobody's had a letter since then. Although there have been letters sent out about people standing on the seats and um, doing an Arsene Wenger impression, standing on the um, hoardings in the uh, in the that one. <laughs> I can't do the full thing holding a microphone. And uh, that is a positive move forward as well. So that's the position. We continue to talk to the club. Uh, we have a next meeting coming up in, in a couple of weeks. As far as the atmosphere is concerned, it's, we have away fans sitting in our stronghold. Would away fans be in... Stretford End, would away fans be in the cop? That's my question. Why are we not moving the away fans? Why is that not happening? So it's a good question, and it's something we talked about with the club, um, and they asked our opinion on that, actually. Uh, so I'll put it back to you, and we're about throwing a market. Where would you put them? East Upper. <laughs> Any, anybody feel differently? There's a feeling at the club, we've already said, the, um, when we've had our meetings, we suggested the um, East Upper, but there's a feeling at the club that they, they're not particularly keen to have away supporters on top of Chelsea supporters, as it were. Yeah, we, they're not going to put them... Hang on, let's hang on one at a time, right? We we hear what you're saying. We've put all these points to the club, and as far as putting them in the east lower is concerned, the manager doesn't want to be surrounded by away supporters. So they are t they are talking. They're considering moving the dugouts to the west stand, but that might wait till the sta stadium's redeveloped. Or, you know, when those plans are announced, before they do that. No, yeah, I understand that. But you know, since the days of the shed, and since the shed, since the ground was redeveloped, and the Matthew Arding was the first part of the ground to be redeveloped, it's now become the home end. And that there's no, there's, you know, well. <laughs> hang on, hang on a second, Dave. You're on dodgy ground. You're standing in front of a shed season ticket holder as well. I think the shed campaign's been very good, boys, by the way. I think it's done a lot of good. I encourage you to carry that on. Another question. I just want to make a, a point about the away fans. Um, I mean, I, I go to all the away games, and personally, I, I quite like having a decent seat. So I think we need to look at the big picture. You know, we are, this is the Chelsea Supporters Trust, and okay, we are for Chelsea, but we're also part of the, the, the nationwide movement of the Football Federation, I think. So, you know, 
I mean, I, we get decent seats at Villa, you know, and at Newcastle, they're horrible. We don't like sitting up there. So, so let's not make away fans sit in the worst seats in the ground. It's, and and that's, they, have to sit, they have to sit somewhere. I mean, I sit in the East Stand Upper. Um, you want to stick them up there with me? Well, thanks, you know. I, mean, I know they have, to, they have to sit somewhere, but, you know, I think, personally, I think, you know, when we go to Tottenham, we get reasonably good seats in a very similar part of the, part of the ground that we've, we've put our the away fans at Sanford Bridge. It's just, just my point of view. If you're not sitting at the back, because if you're sitting at the back of the East Stand Low, you can't see the other side of the pitch. Well, you know, I think you're more likely to have away supporters moaning about it and kicking off with the club than you are Chelsea supporters, I'm afraid. But um, it is a contentious issue. We've no, but we we've. We have made that point quite as strongly as we can to the club. They're listening to us. But <coughs> along with, um, along with um, the concerns that um, Shed End supporters have got about um, <laughs> making it the uh, home end again, the club have also got um, uh, other issues to consider. And I know the, uh, support, the away sports used to go in the Lower East. But... Um, they're quite concerned about um, egress, and uh, it's, it is easier for them at the moment to have the away supporters <laughs> in the shed. No, I know it isn't. I just wanted to say yeah, I just wanted to say that easier is not always right okay? and, the, and, and, and with safety and the police they will always say that the easier, cheaper option is the way forward that's not necessarily right for ourselves in terms of the redevelopment of the ground that's where we have to think about the safe standing being incorporated into the design or any designs that are produced in the new ground Chelsea, Chelsea Football Club is doing its best to accommodate the... Con Sorry, we're having a private meeting in here. Chelsea Football Club is doing its best to take on all the um, points of view to address all the issues, but whilst 40 or 50 people in this room are of an opinion about the shed end and the location of the uh, away supporters. Chelsea are also receiving opinions on other places that they should be. So it's our job for them to accommodate all the, to, to accommodate all the points of view. They're looking at everything and they are doing their best to come to a solution that the majority of people are happy with and which helps to improve the atmosphere at Stamford Bridge, which is why they're very keen to talk to us Thanks. Just one last point on that. Is, um, I know we're constrained by the configuration of the ground. I'm in the shed. I, I don't like the away fans there either. 
Um, I can see the problems with the East, I can see the problems with the West and so forth. I think it's really important that we at least engage to the level of any consideration of any new ground or new ground development that this is thought through really well. So they've got configurable ground elements where we want them, how we can grow it to, if it's cup tie level, they can have that much. And so that, that thinking at least has got to be really important when we go forward. Because I think we are where we are a bit today, you know, where are we going to put them that we're all happy with? I'm not sure. Yeah. But in a new stadium with a top, hopefully top quality stands and maybe in a sort of corner slot like Aston Villa have yeah, where they have lower and upper and that's, that could be adjusted according to the number of fans for <coughs> depending on the competition. I think something like that would be a pretty good solution. But it would be good to know that they, the club are actually thinking about that when they, when they uh, look at the new stadium. So that's an excellent point. And I think what I would say on that is that uh, we are speaking to the club at the decision-making level. Uh, and they know that, and they're listening to us. Um, and that's our opportunity, really. I think things will really change when the ground is developed. I don't think it'll be a new ground. I think it'll be Stanford Bridge developed, hopefully. Um, and then we should take those things into account, as well as looking at you know, where do we put our young supporters and do we give them enough um, space behind the goals, etc. Sorry? Well, we uh, no. Well, they're they're not announcing anything at the moment, and uh, these things take time. But uh, I wouldn't say hold your breath, but I think in the future it's going to be rosy. <laughs> Is anything being? discussed and started to be discussed now about when we have to shift out of Stamford Bridge and then shift back again to keep people together in blocks rather than dissipate them like they did at Arsenal. They've completely lost their atmosphere and their heart. Yeah, that's a very good point and um, we will um, address that uh, at the meeting that we've got coming up in the next few weeks to which Neil's already alluded to. Just so we have spoken about that, and they, the club say there is an opportunity then for people to come back together rather than to dissipate, for people that have been separated to request to be uh, joined together in blocks uh, and make areas no, known to be for atmosphere and known to be loud for people to stand and not to be hassled there, as, as the young man was saying earlier. That's what we want to go for. The club are listening. What they do, you know, we hope, will be the right thing. Um, I was going to stop in there. Is there any other questions on atmosphere at Stanford Bridge? I'll go back to Tim and the agenda. Thanks very much, Neil. If we have people in the room who aren't members, um, Neil's going to get some forms and hand them out. It's going to be good to get people to sign up tonight. That would be fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Um, talking about meetings with the club, since the last S SGM, which was after the West Brom game at the end of November, as well as the atmosphere discussions and discussing on ticketing, Four of us went in to see a number of board members and, and senior executives with the results of the survey. I mean, you know the way that we work. We have the annual elections. We do the annual survey. The survey drives what the trust board focus on for the next year. So we went and presented... Well, I mean, Celia, do you want to talk about this? As you, you did all the work on the survey. But it was very favourably received, more so than we thought. I think the, the survey was very favourably received by the club. They asked some, some quite um, piercing questions, which we were, were able to answer. Um, they were, just coming back to atmosphere, they were, were interested in where people thought away supporters should sit. 
Um, they want to continue the dialogue and want to continue. Um, they, they thought it was helpful that they, we asked more or less sim the same or similar questions to the survey the year before so that we could um, compare the results. And I think that was, that was of interest to them. I mean, there was, some, there was quite a bit in there that was showing that things were, things were going better in terms of, of our members' opinions of the board and the administration of the club, which probably was getting rid of Benitez and installing Jose, I think. Um, so I think, I think that went, went very well, and we'll continue with the survey. There'll be another one coming out probably May this year, and I would urge as many of you as possible to, to fill it out. And also, perhaps, if you have suggestions for questions that should be in there, there are issues that concern you. We'd be very happy to consider those and, and put them in. Can I just add something to that? Um, Bruce Buck did ask, actually, for next year's survey that we include the question of where people would like the away fans to go. So here's your opportunity, you guys. You can, you can put it in the survey, and it'll go straight through to Bruce Buck. Thanks, Cliff. OK. Um, I'd just like to welcome Amanda Jacks from the Football Supporters Federation. Uh, FSF Fair Cop on Twitter does a lot of casework around football supporters and their, their treatment by the authorities. So she's here. The, the police officers will be here shortly. But she's here as part of that, as part of that discussion. Not with, so, no, not with them. But, uh, <laughs> no. But Amanda, Amanda, about a year ago, you addressed one of our, one of our meetings. We had a very lively discussion about, about policing in, and, and, those, and, and legal issues. So thank you for coming. Um, right. Yeah. So we... We've talked about sort of meetings with the club. I think a couple of things that we have done since the last meeting, we've talked to QPR Trust and Fulham Trust. We've suddenly realised we've got three clubs in Fulham. We share the same council, we share the same police. It makes sense to work together. I talked to the guy from QPR, I'll talk about touting in a bit, and he said they've got a massive problem at QPR about touting. Now, don't laugh because they don't sell out all their games. <laughs> but... Not, not a massive, no, no, no. Well, they, 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 you, you wait until we play there. Because when they played Man United, they were, the place was mobs with touts, apparently, because the away end's been cut in half. So what used to be 3,000-odd away supporters is now 1,800. As we, and as we will find, when our tickets there go on sale, I guess fairly soon, we, you know, there aren't many tickets to be had. And it's a, it's a very attractive game for us as it is for Arsenal, for Man United, what have you. So they have a problem with touts. Fulham, is, obviously, it's patchy at the moment. They're not in the, in the Premiership, but they've had problems. But we, we realise we've got common issues. We, we want, as a long-term goal, to be on the Council Safety Advisory Group, and this is something we've talked about before. So we're going to do a joint approach to the head of the relevant person at, at, at the Council with a view to getting us on all of the safety advisory groups. As an aside, the... The minutes of those meetings are on the Hammersmith and Council website. They're easy to find, and they are quite revealing in terms of what the police, the fire brigade, St John's Ambulance, British Transport Police, the club, the council, and everyone else discuss and what they see as issues. Everyone else bar... Everyone else bar supporters. And we think to discuss issues that directly affect supporters without having supporters in the room is ridiculous. But we think it would be more powerful, because it's the council ultimately we have to persuade, if we do it as a joint approach... The next safety advisory group is not until July, so we have time, but that is, a, that is a fundamental target for us, is to work 
with the council and with whoever to get ourselves round that table because how can they discuss issues around stewarding, around security, around policing, the issues around touting without taking the opinions of the, the people that the football club is actually for, which is the supporters. So I'm reasonably optimistic because um, Crystal Palace, I think, have got someone on... Yes, on the, they Yeah, they have. Yeah. And that works very well, apparently. So if, if there are supporter issues... They're not necessarily the main decision makers around the table, but they are listened to. So if there's a supporter opinion on something, it gets listened to. And that has to be a better thing than having a closed shop where all you do is see the minutes three or four weeks later. So that's, that is something that we will work on. You, you, will have, you may have seen on social media, um, there was a meeting of some of the Premier League, Premier League trusts with the Premier League on ticket pricing. We weren't in the room. We've been in the room for other meetings. That was very much the trust that went on the demo last summer, and we didn't have any board representation at that meeting. There's another demo in March, which I'm going to make sure I go to, because if I go to that, then if there's a follow-up meeting, we'll be in there. But what was discussed is largely around... I mean, there, there are issues I, I have some concerns about, about um, just focusing on away ticketing. I don't think... You, Personally, I think there, there should be a focus on home and away ticket pricing. But there's a meeting at the end of March, all the Premier League trusts, discussing the ticket pricing campaign over the next year, building up to when the new TV deal kicks in. So I think there will be work, there will be publicity on that. It won't just be about a March, because a March, at the end of the day, highlights things. It doesn't necessarily achieve anything. But we will, we will try and work with Chelsea, work with the other trusts, because that's the, that will be the big issue. Until the stadium is announced and we start having discussions around facilities and, and design in the new ground, I think ticket pricing is probably as big an issue as we're going to have. So we'll keep you posted on that. If there is a march, we'll invite people. I know they haven't been, for whatever reason, they're, not all, they're sometimes on working days, so it's not always that easy for people to attend. But I do regret not going last year, because I think if we had board representation there, then we may have been in, in that meeting. Well, this next one is slightly different, because the idea is not to go to Gossip Place at the Premier League's offices but the meeting with all the Premier League chief executives. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, thanks. So it'll be far more representative of attendees. Okay. Um, and we won't just be standing outside right. the empty office block upsetting Cathy Long. And right. Not that there's anything wrong with upsetting Cathy oh, no. Long, but, you know, she, she's Premier League customer services person, so she her job is to liaise with people like the trust board. Okay. I, I was hoping... There's an issue I want to talk about about ticket touting, but I was hoping... That the police might be here, but I think we'll cover it, and then they'll be quick. You, you, they know that there are questions on touting, and they actually want to talk about it, but I think it's worth us covering it. It would be fair to say in the last three months, we've had more complaints, feedback, tweets, feedback comments on touting, street touting, than any other single issue. It seems, to, for whatever reason, to have got considerably worse since the manager returned 18 months ago. Today, there were an extraordinary amount of touts. I don't know... Why that was. It, was. it was an extraordinary amount of touts there today. Now, you talk to the club. The cl the Dan Levine. Thank you. Ah. No, the, our, our old friends, the Ticket Wanted Brigade, produced another leaflet wanting League Cup final tickets and PSG home tickets. These <laughs> are, is that the same as the Wasp? This, this, this is remarkably similar to the one that was wanting Man City tickets. And, you know, this is brazenly being handed out. In the Fulham Road, Earl's Court, West Brompton, what have you. Thanks, Dan. That's, uh, I didn't realise they'd come back again. And they've got, they've got a phone number on. So, you know, anyway, 
And they haven't, it's interesting they haven't got their address this time, because last time they put their address. They seem to have, yeah, perhaps they've had one or, two, one or two letters on the subject, and they <laughs> felt that that may not have been a good idea. But anyway, but this is, it, the club are frustrated because though they cancel memberships and season ticket thing if, if they catch people, they have no jurisdiction outside the, the footprint of the ground, the, the, the land that they own. They can't do anything about what happens on the Fulham Road. I know people who've inter- who try to intervene with the police, and the police say it's the council, the council say it's the police. British Transport Police are involved as well. We've got two councils involved because one side, you know, the, the ground is in Hammersmith and Fulham, over the well, bridge. It's against the law. It's, it's against the law. It's, it's against the law. It's against the law to sell tickets, uh, football tickets at more than face value, but not. I mean, Amanda, you, you might know more than me. Yeah, but what, what? yeah, on the street, but not in the well, but not on the, in the privacy of your own home. The way I think people are getting around with it, it's not illegal to sell t- a football ticket at more than face value. Else, if it was, get uh, now hang on, if if it was Viagogo and StubHub, and yeah, would not be able to exist. These people are giving out these flyers to advertise the fact that they will buy tickets and then sell them on. And they're doing nothing that the Go-Go or StubHub isn't doing. Okay. And that's that, that, whether you like it or not, that's, that's, that's the fact. When, when, the, when the police are here, clearly one question they've already had and we'll get again is, why don't they enforce what appears to be the law? I know, I mean, I've talked Dan Levine over here from the lo- local paper and I had a conversation on this subject last week. It's not as straightforward as this, but... It is something that, you know, I think people would like an answer to. So when, when the police get here, we'll get... But it, it you know, well, there have always been a few, but there just seem to be an extraordinary amount. And obviously for games that aren't on season tickets, so all the, all the cup ties, there's even more because everyone's got a paper ticket. Now, another issue for the club, I think, is why we can't have a system like other clubs have got where the cup ties can be put automatically on the season ticket. And therefore, that reduces the flow of paper tickets, which reduces the amount of touting. It might put the price up for the few tickets that are left, but you know, the, the Liverpool game, they, you know, there were touts everywhere, all the way up the, the Fulham Road, inside the station, yeah. But you talk, I think you spoke to, did you speak to one of the security people in the station who just sort of shrugged their shoulders, basically, and said they're not, yeah. I mean, it's quite difficult to pin down who is actually responsible, which is another reason we want to be on the safety advisory group, because everyone is in that room, and that's where we really can have a, a sort of grown-up conversation on the subject. But we are aware of it. I think, depending on what comes out of the, the discussion with the police, we're keen to take it forward. The Arsenal and Tottenham Trusts are also keen to take it forward as a sort of London initiative. QPR clearly are. I'd be astonished if Man United and Liverpool weren't, because they have exactly the same issue. We only have to walk around Anfield before we played up there. There were touts everywhere. You get them at Old Trafford. You get them at the Etihad. So... Is a wider issue, but unless the, these appropriate authorities take action, no, nothing will change, and we'll be sitting here a year, five years' time, saying, "Well, you know, the, 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 there's still touting going." It doesn't help when the culture secretary calls touts classic entrepreneurs, oh. and <laughs> which he did, and um, well, I can't remember the guy's name. Say, oh, yeah, culture culture secretary, yeah, and. A, a, a bill to stop touting at, at concerts and at football and what have you was 
was thrown out. It, it didn't get sufficient support in Parliament. So nothing's going to happen beside the election. I think one opportunity after the election, whoever gets elected, is to, is to address that issue again. Because there was outrage in quite a lot of the papers about, A, about his comment, and B, about the fact that the, it was basically didn't get support from any of, the, any of the parties. And certainly my MP, who I won't name, when he comes around canvassing, that's a question that I'll ask, why he didn't support that. And I would encourage others, if they engage with you know, the election, it's a good question. Why didn't they support the, the, the banning of touting? Okay. Yep. Yeah, well, yeah, I'll, I'll just question just an observation. Yeah, yeah. The, the first point really no, is, up, sorry, the first point is that, um, as far as I'm concerned, the touting of tickets is tied in with an atmosphere. Because they're selling to people that have no interest in atmosphere. We see them in there week in, week out. They have no interest at all. So that's my first point about touting. The other thing is the fact that it's making, it's, it's, you're quite right, it's getting bigger, it's reaching epidemic proportions. I came to Liverpool game, and I was here early, and I, had to, I came through the shopping centre to be met by a bank of about 30 touts with two policemen on one side and two policemen on the other. Now, you've just said a minute ago that it's illegal. I don't understand. If that's illegal, why do they do nothing? And it, it, I just feel it's about time we did something about it. Now, today, just one last thing. Today, on the way in, I've had a pop at a couple of touts. There were two touts there, and I told them to go away. <laughs> Within about 30 seconds, I'm confronted by eight touts, not two, eight. They gathered immediately and told me to go away. And what's going on? It's, 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 I don't understand. I don't understand how so many of them do it. I've seen them turning up in an SUV, and eight of them get out with tickets in their hand. We do nothing. Well, I, I think there is a danger of supporters taking... I, mean, I, I agree completely, but there is a danger of supporters taking action into their own hands without the authorities, because... Yeah, 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 and I appreciate that. But, I mean, I, I am aware of cases in the past at cup finals where touts have been assaulted, and suddenly other, you know, a, a sort of mass fight had took place out, uh, outside Wembley. But I, I do think, whatever else we do, I think we will organise a write-in campaign with the local council saying that we're very unhappy that this is allowed to continue. And I think it'd be, we'll publicise it when, when we do it, obviously, particularly powerful for anyone who lives in the local borough to be able to do that, because they're going to take more notice of people who live in Hammersmith and Fulham than someone like me who lives in, in, in the borough of Richmond. But they will take notice if enough people, if enough people write. So that's where we are on, on touting. Um, we'd... we'd in a position now where we'd really like to start with, I should, I'd imagine they'll be here fairly soon, Cliff. I assume so, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Right. Okay. But what I would like to do is, if, the, if anyone's got any questions on any issue, things we've covered, things we haven't covered, that they'd like to ask, then now, now would be a good time, because I think we're going to get quite a full, dis once, the, once they get here, we'll have a full discussion. There may be not be much time for, for other issues. Raise their hand. Yes, raise your hands and ask them. Ma Martin. Yeah. Mike, sorry. Yeah. Just going back to the um, culture minister and his comments regarding ticket outs being classic entrepreneurs. Has anyone looked at his um, any donations he's solicited? Has he received any donations from these companies, anything like that? I, I better, be Possibly, yeah. I, um. I, th I think it's <laughs> fair to say that if he had... The likes of David Conn would have would have found out right. because there was some outrage amongst the more the more sort of investigative football football writers on the subject. 
Paul's just said he's going to, they're going to be registering in Fulham Police Station now. What, be 10 minutes, 15? Yeah, yeah. okay. They're coming uh, in a police car. Yep, coming in a police car. Yeah. Gentlemen, over there, sorry. Hello everybody, uh, you won't know me, my name is Ben or Oliver Price, I'm just a, another Chelsea fan of 25 years and I love the club as much as everyone in this room does. I just want to say that after the events on Tuesday night I really felt that I'd had enough and I kind of drew a, lo- a line in the sand and I, I set up a small Facebook group just, just to share amongst people and within hours we had 1,500 people supporting Chelsea fans against racism. Um, I just want to highlight that. I, I, I've had a, a small campaign with people. There, there's a, a small uh, um, a poster campaign. There's a small uh, um, T-shirt campaign going on. The point was to show the rest of the world today and potentially moving on to the PSG game, to show the rest of the world that Chelsea fans do not accept racism in their football ground. And I'm sure that we all agree with that point today. Um, Moving that on, um, you know, you, you may see some of that covered I- in some of the media. If any of you want to, to contact me, I will provide details and, and that will be provided. The, the Facebook group is Chelsea Fans Against Racism. The simple point is, is that I want to build a bottom-up um, uh, idea which links with what the club is doing top-down to just say, as fans, we don't accept it anymore. And if anybody wants to speak to me after the meeting, I'm just here, come over. And the fact is that initially we're showing the world visually that we don't want and we don't accept it in our grounds. But beyond that, we'll formulate a group today, a very small group, and I hope to affiliate as much as possible with the Supporters Association, work alongside this great organisation today, and to move forward to just say from the fans that no more the silent majority will not tolerate it anymore. So if anyone wants to speak to me, get involved or find out anything more, just, just do see me at the end. Thank you. Thank you, thank you Ben. Thank you. Um, and Amanda, Amanda Jacks will say a few words now. I'll keep it very brief because I think there's been more than enough words spoken on the whole subject. Um, but suffice to say, the FSF have got a small pot of money for supporters who want to do any campaigning, not around diversity. So if you want to get in touch with us with any campaigning ideas that you have, then it might be that we've got some money that we can send your way. Thank you very much, Amanda. We'll now have another say health and safety incident. <laughs> 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 yeah, you're doing what the yes. Right. One more over here. Wayne? Yep. Wayne. Brother, yeah, Wayne Crossford again. Can you see me? Um, I just want to follow up to the point about racism. Um, when the police get here, I would like to ask a question, again, really following on from uh, from Tuesday, because it really sort of brought it home. I know it's a, a minority and everything. We all know. We, we know all of us here are okay. Um, but I've had... Um, I mean, I always speak out against racism when I'm in the stadium, always. I mean, without fail. Any time I hear an individual, and it is, and it is only individuals, yeah, I'm not saying there's groups of them, but there are individuals, when I hear them make racist comments, I always, always say something, and 
There have been three occasions in the last two years, twice at Stamford Bridge, uh, involving away fans, and once this season at Sunderland, where I've actually told the police, I've told them about uh, racist abuse. Um, and frankly, the police's attitude has been appalling. I mean, they have, they have wanted to sort of sweep it under the carpet. They want to, uh, you can see that they don't want to get involved. I mean, at, at Sunderland, I was standing next to some Herberts that were, that were um, going on about uh, Rio Ferdinand and Anton Ferdinand using some really vile, racist language. I told them to, to shut up. They abused me. They asked me what I was going to do about it. I said, I will go down and I will report you and I'll be thrown out of the ground, yeah, if you do that. So they told me to go and do that. So I did. I walked all the way down the stairs. I went to a steward. He called over the, the police officer. And the police officer's first reaction was to say, well, it will be your word against, against uh, theirs, yeah? I said, well, how the fuck do you know that unless you go up there and ask people? Sorry, sorry. I, I get very angry. I get very angry. And I, w I, I won't do it again. I won't do it, Dave. Enough. Yeah, I get very angry about this sort of thing. Yep. There was another time at, um, against Everton uh, a couple of seasons ago when uh, an Everton van abused my partner here um, as I was coming out of the ground. So, again, I called the police over. This, these are the people that yeah, at Stamford Bridge... And, again, all they were telling me was, are you sure you want to do this? Uh, if you come down the police station, you're going to be there for hours. And they just didn't want me to do anything. You can see they just didn't want to get involved. Did you make a complaint about that? <laughs> I mean, you get, you, know, you, get, you get disheartened about that sort of stuff, yeah? You get, you get disheartened. You, you do, and it's very disappointing. But I thought, this is what I was doing, Dave. The, Thank the, you, Dave. Thank the, you very much, mate. The, All the, I'm, yeah, I thought this was... I thought these were questions that you were asking. Yeah. Well, these were... The, the police will say exactly what I'm going to say, we and they asked, will be very, we very... Were, I, we were asked to, if we had any questions for the police. For this, so this is my question. What should the procedure be when you report racism to the police here at Stamford Bridge? What should you do and what should you expect from the police? You should expect a far... You should expect... You should expect a far more professional... You should expect a far more professional response from the police than what you've got. And I completely get the point that you're disheartened. But if that happens again, you should take their shoulder number and you should report them. And you, if you feel confident enough to do so, you could also take out your mobile phone and record the interaction that you have with the police. If anyone, I mean, for them to say it's down to your word against theirs, I've had many a fan arrested for all sorts of things where it boils down to just that, and the police don't seem to mind too much that it's one person's word against another. But I digress. But if you do make a complaint, the procedure is just that. You will have to go to the police station to give a statement, and if the supporter pleads not guilty in court, you will have to go to court as a witness to give evidence. And that process in itself, I know, is 
deters other people reporting it. If you don't want to report it to the police or stewards, kick it out, have an app which you can download, and that's got a very simple reporting form where you can give your seat, the seat number of the um, person that you're accusing and then kick it out, we'll take it up, and they will follow it up with the various authorities. But don't let the police get away with not dealing with it because that's just as bad to some extent as the offence in itself. Right, right. Evening all. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. Okay. Right. Yep. Yeah, you're over here, mate. Two glasses are all right, mate. How are you? You're introduce it. Right, we now move on to the, the second part of the meeting, which is the Q&A with uh, our colleagues from Football Intelligence Unit. Um, David will be hosting the questions. We had a number of written questions in advance, and thank you for those, which we will cover first. If we have time, we, we will cover some others questions afterwards. from the floor when you yeah. can ask again, Wayne, right. while the police officers right. are David. here. But, yeah. Okay, you want to... Sit here, David. No, yeah, but no, we're, we're not all here. We're, we're, we're broadcasting this. You'll hear me at the back there. You can all. You're not here. Fantastic. Okay. Well, I introduce myself. I'm Jim Brockway. I'm one of the local um, police inspectors from Hammersmith. Um, I am new to a role, having been here a couple of weeks, which deals with the liaison uh, to all the partnership organisations across the borough. So I deal with all three of the clubs, deal with Chelsea, and deal with the other two clubs on the borough, which I probably won't mention by name in your presence. So, um, <laughs> deal with all three of the clubs on the borough, equally, equally uh, of importance. Um, been on the borough around about four and a half years, um, and have been uh, dealing with Chelsea in various capacities since then. Um, I will declare my allegiances to you as a Bournemouth fan. Not a good day for me. Right. Sorry about him. Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my name's Paul Wright. I go by uh, a number of names that I've been called uh, in my travels around Chelsea. A few of them I can't mention here now, but Goggles, etc., Binzi, Harry Potter, you name it, I've had it. Uh, I'm the FIO Football Intelligence Officer for Chelsea. Uh, I have been since 2010. Uh, previously to that, I was the banning officer for Chelsea. Keep you on, Fulham. Uh, and that was from 2007. Up until last, the start of last season, I was based at Fulham, but now we're based at New Scotland Yard where all the clubs work together. So uh, I may be able to answer a couple more questions about other clubs, uh, but not as in-depth, obviously, as, uh, as Chelsea. Right, we're going to um, give um, Jim and Paul uh, some questions that have been sent in to us. Before we have any questions from the floor, I'd just like to make it clear that... Jim and Paul are agents of the law. They're not responsible for making the laws. And if anybody's 
Got any uh, questions about the racist incident in the metro at, on in Paris on Tuesday night? It's an ongoing inquiry, and uh, the police aren't at liberty to um, answer or field any questions on that. But um, they're open to um, any others. Yeah, what I can say to that is that uh, the incident at uh, in Paris is a French investigation. Uh, the Metropolitan Police, British Transport Police and the club are assisting the French police dealing with that. So uh, we are assisting. It's not our investigation. Read the incident uh, that's come out in the press today uh, at King's Cross. That is a British Transport Police investigation. However, I am playing quite a role in, uh, in working on that one as well. So it would be wrong for me to make any uh, statements further than that or any comment on what's happened there. Are we all sitting comfortably? Uh, all I can say is that there's been a, a racist allegation at the moment. Uh, somebody is being spoken to by British Transport Police and probably after this meeting, it sounds like I'm, I'm shirking it a bit, but it is the, the truth. Uh, after this meeting, I'm expecting a phone call to tell me where we are going with that. So, uh, uh, it will come back. Uh, it will be out in the media, I would, uh, I would imagine. Right. Question one. With Chelsea actively removing people from its members and season ticket list for touting some 4,000 last year, why is it that outside of the stadium where Chelsea Football Club have no control, the number of touts is getting worse? At the Chelsea v Manchester City game, I counted over 40 from Brompton Cemetery to Fulham, Broadway. Many of the sellers were use a single person hidden at the back with a pile of tickets. If I can see this, why is it the police cannot be bothered doing anything? Uh, folks, we are. Aware, I mean, we are very, very aware of the ongoing touting issue um, in and around the footprint at Chelsea. Um, we will always respond to it. If you report ticket touting to us, we will respond to it, and resources uh, resources will always will always go and respond. Um, if my staff do see it, they will they will attempt to deal with it. Um, it is. Hang on, wait a minute, one at a time. Um, so we will respond, we will deal with it. I, I, I won't pretend to you that ticket out is an easy matter to deal with. It's a really hard matter for us to try and deal with. Uh, the standards to, for us to get to, to A, make an arrest, and B, to prosecute are very, very high, and it is very, very tough. Um, we will constantly review our tactics for how we deal with it as a problem. Um, and I would encourage you, and it's maybe something which you could deal collectively, uh, I would suggest. I can tell by your questions because there's, there's about this three or four questions on a very, very similar topic. Um, you need to somehow capture how you feel, maybe collectively as an organisation, and I would suggest a, a letter from uh, Cliff or, or whoever you see fit to me may assist me with the tactics and the impact which that problem has. Um, can I just ask you something yeah, there, can. Jim? Right, you said your staff. Does that mean the staff are you? Are under your command as part of the uh, football li um, li liaison. I, by, by my, so today I've been the match commander today. Right. So if that was flagged up to me today as an issue today, so which, that, which it wasn't, right. but if it was, I would have sent staff to that today. 
Yeah, okay, but by staff, you mean the people directly under your command, or does that include the officers that are all often shipped in from other areas of London to help control but the By crowd. staff, I mean officers deployed on the, on the match-up, but you, right. you do get officers coming from all parts okay. of London, Thank so you. it would be that as well. We're going to go through these questions first, and then if that's all right. What I, w- what I would say... If that's all right with you, just re- save what you want to say. Just remember what you want to say, and we can refer back to um, what, questions. What I would say there is uh, that my role during the day is it starts off very early each match day, uh, and one of my roles is to brief the supervisors uh, in a room at, uh, at Fulham Police Station. So we go through a, a variety of things that uh, the day's laid out at. Uh, one of those things is ticket touting. Uh, we ask the officers to be proactive. Unfortunately, sometimes maybe it depends what sort of officers you get, unfortunately. Sometimes we get very proactive officers. Sometimes we get officers that might not want to be there and are more interested in dealing with potential fights and things like that. Okay, We, we, have, had us- we have used some tactics before. Uh, one tactic was uh, undercover, of- undercover officers because we need to get the proof of selling as well. Uh, and at times when we see people that want to make statements... They don't necessarily want to make the statement there because, rightly so, they spend a lot of money paying for their ticket to go into the ground. So straight away, we don't have the evidence. What I would notice uh, about the increase in, uh, in ticket touting as well, a few years back, we had the regular faces that I'm sure a lot of you will see, day, game in, game out. And they were there with genuine tickets that they had gathered by duplications, etc., or purchasing tickets off friends that don't want it and trying to make money out of that way. Now we're seeing a gradual increase uh, in forged tickets and even people, we've had people buying sort of price tickets from the membership stores, mega stores with a sticker on it saying row one seat or seat, row A, seat one and tourists spending hundreds and thousands of pounds, believe it or not, on things like this. So therefore there's another sort of issue that we're dealing with as well and what we're also getting now is that people, rather than saying tickets for sale, I've got tickets for sale, because that's part of the offence, they're saying to people, has anyone got tickets? Has anyone got tickets? If you were looking for a ticket and you heard somebody say that, you might say, actually, I'm looking for one. Oh, I've got one. And therefore, they're not committing the offence there at that stage either. So it's very difficult for us to, to, to step in and get there. And that's, that's the problem we've got. We're just like to know why the dozen or more touts who operate openly on the way out of Fulham Broad Bay tube station at every match are not arrested I think I've pretty much answered that is there's, a, a, there's a points to prove in every sort of offence there are points to prove and it's a bit like a ticking, a ticking off list it's very difficult to prove all the points for arrest I know what people are saying we all know that people there ticket touting but they are very switched on uh, we had the dispersal order in uh, a few seasons back now, uh, and that has to go through a stage of review. Uh, and then when we, we were moving people on, and we weren't getting as many complaints about ticket touts, but we were still having the same amount of arrests. So when we reviewed it again to say, look, do you think it's working? The review was, no, it's not, because you've still got the same amount of arrests. So that power has been taken away from us. So like uh, Jim said here now, we are looking at other tactics uh, and ways of doing it. Right, okay. Um, I'm going to just 
change the way that I'm going to uh, read, these, read these questions. I'm going to read all of them in one block. So I um, don't know whether you get your notebook out and make a few notes. But, um, so I will... I am struggling... I am struggling as a member to get match tickets on the day of sale, let alone the day of the match. And yet I come out of Fulham Broadway and then have to run the Gortland Touts. Many on CCTV right outside the stadium, the station turnstiles week after week. There were new laws brought in to stop this and putting another extreme on the situation. It is a health and safety issue. As fans are buying tickets and then joined by the first contact and then the man with the tickets making a group of four or five persons how is this allowed to take place so openly it's a big issue with fans i've often heard fans be quite openly aggressive towards them and i've felt the same way while i understand the touting is not as high priority for the met police it is for the fans of all clubs question um, I would encourage you to try and capture your views try and capture capture your views the best you can um, any information which you can give to me may go to assist in, in how we deal with the problem I mean can I just say from a CST point of view we will definitely take you up on your offer of a letter we'll we'll work something up as a trust board and we'll send you a sort of considered compilation of these thoughts and any other thoughts that we have and we're very keen to work with you on this issue because before you came in we had a a discussion on a number of issues, that we get more feedback on touting than any other single issue regarding supporters' issues at Stamford Bridge. So we, you can take it as read that we will be in touch. So thank you for that offer. Right. On this particular subject of touting, has anybody got any questions? Ian. Um, Paul, just to say th thanks very much for what you said on touting. J just as one example and, and as working together on this, it was interesting. When I came out of Fulham Broadway Station, um, it was about 10 to 1, actually. So it was like you know, a fair bit in advance of the game today. It was almost impossible you know, to get through the barriers. And I think we, we, we've all had this. Um, I, actually, I actually slowed down as I went through and, and very deliberately was actually looking to see if I could see a policeman that I could just very calmly say, look, is there a way in which we can move these people on? Because I guess that would all it would take, you know, just one of your guys there saying, look, disappear for, you know, three hours and, and don't come back here. It was almost impossible. I think at Fulham Broadway, as we know, there's about, on, on, that, uh, on that sort of main gate, there's probably about sort of, you know, eight, turn, yeah. eight, eight turnstiles, eight gates, whatever. There must have been 16 guys there. And it was seriously difficult to get through so would it be possible working together just have one of your boys there so that we could say to them look you know move these guys on this isn't working no without a doubt and today uh, is a good example of what we've done today i've liaised with uh, the command team uh without going into too much details there's been a lot of plates today with uh, events that are going on but i liaised with the command team and Fulham Broadway comes under British Transport Police. So what he did was he liaised with the BTP officers and they went down there and moved them on. And he actually said, we've just had a debrief now for the operation, and he said what a good job they had done. I take on board the times that they are. Unfortunately, we're uh, restrained to times that we can come on uh, and start working. And our briefing today is at 12 o'clock. The briefing covers everything that's going to happen during that operation. So it usually takes around about 30 minutes... And it is only for supervisors because we're limited in the time that we're uh, the location we are. So once the supervisors are briefed, 
Then they have to brief their officers. So today there was nearly 100 officers on today. They all get briefed, and then they're deployed and made out. So realistically, you're looking at them coming out around about one quarter past one. But what we did was we spoke to the BTP. It sounds like it's like a blame game, but it isn't. It's their, their patch, as it were, there to deal with that. We've highlighted the, uh, the issue, and the reports I've had back is that it did work and they did move on. And that's something that we are looking at. And like we said, we... Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> It's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK. And best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. We are reviewing tactics. So I, I was actually going to ask about the British Transport Police and, and where, where the responsibilities began and end because they were actually inside the turnstables, turnstiles at the tube station um, prior to the Liverpool game when there wasn't a policeman to be seen anywhere. Um, so I wondered whether the, the security people from the centre and what have you that are around, whether they have any, any powers to, to move these people on. That was really my first question. And the, Sorry, the second question was that these people actually do obstruct... Um, not only coming out of Fulham Broadway tube station, but I noticed today walking along the Fulham Road, before they closed it to traffic, it was actually quite hard to get down along the pavement because there were so many of them there just obstructing. I mean, do you not have powers to, to remove them for causing an obstruction even? It does have a knock-on effect on us, and uh, the, the roads are closed. We're reviewing the CCTV that we have, and we see that people are out on the road, and obviously that brings on... The road closure coming in, hence it affects on the traffic, etc. There on that way, but uh, the BTP, it's the information. Every every after every game, each uh, supervisor has to do a report that all come back to me. So tonight or Tuesday, I'll read them and have a look. It was noted about the Liverpool fixture that the people are in there. Hence, I've made a decision today again to approach the uh, the outside uh, 
Bronze, as it were, the, the man on the outside. And he's liaised with BTP, and they've made a made the effort there for us. Unfortunately, sometimes we don't... Be, well, BTP don't have as many resources as the Metropolitan Police, and they are can be stretched across London, but that falls into them. And yet we do, like I said earlier on, we do brief the officers to try and move these people on and uh, look at other potential offences. Okay, yeah. um, so I understand that um, you have to have proof from these people and you can't prosecute them in, 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 unless you've got absolute proof. But it just seems to me that because it's so much happening at the moment, that if, if these people were harassed a little bit more and moved on a little bit more, it might make a difference because at the moment nothing's happening to them. Today I had words with two of them. Before I knew where I was, I had eight of them in front of me. Uh, and there's, there's no one there. There's no one there at all to deal with it. And that, that's my point. Is We can't see a presence trying to do something about it. It might be there, but we can't see it. No, I take that on board. And like I said, there are deployments and where the officers have to be, and that area is uh, part of the deployment plan for where they're to be. I bring back to what I mentioned before. Some officers, in any walk of life, you get in, uh, in professions, you get some that are very proactive, very good, very professional. Uh, I'm not saying that any of our officers aren't professional that work the operations, but we have different levels of experience, uh, expertise, etc., and keenness. Uh, sometimes we're very good, and we do have a lot of arrests for uh, ticket touting. But like you said, there are so many, and they all work together, that it will be, Jim's out of the picture now, I'll step into there, and we'll bring someone else along. So it just looks like there's no effect. We are making uh, inquiries of how we can deal with these using different kinds of legislation. Uh, and that's why that, that Jim's mentioned, if you could have the letter in, it will be part of our package. We can go to the people that make the decision. And we are trying. What but it's not a click of the fingers. Say, though, thing I, know, I know you've obviously all mentioned a couple of incidents today. I'd, I'd sort of throw it back a little bit. You need to report that. And if that's you walking up to a cop and saying, there's 10 ticket outs down there, then you, well, alternatively, you dial it in. You do 101 report it to us and then that way it's recorded so it is important that you do record it and you do report it otherwise otherwise we, we don't know um jim paul there was, I, I remember a couple of years ago there was a scheme uh um bought in at stanford bridge it was it was largely based on the t uh, a scheme at, that was successful at wimbledon tennis uh, a few years ago whereby the, uh, the local councils were working together with uh, kensington in chelsea and hammersmith and fulham plus obviously the local police force whereas uh people could report touts if they were were, were loitering with a tent or blocking their way or something but it, it meant physically going and saying that tout has blocked me i'm trying to get through i need to get uh, need to tell you about it and you could issue him with a section 27 i believe which would, would, would stop that which would then in, that would enable them not to be allowed back in the area within 48 hours so obviously it doesn't it doesn't negate the touting business but it stops them doing what they, they're, they're trying to do so is that is that scheme still in operation is that something that could still be used what? section 35 which does give you the powers does it not, to remove people that are causing alarm or, and distress from the locality? It, it's, what happened with Section 27 is we received legal advice on that particular piece of legislation, which meant we were no longer able to use it. 
that's a very simple, straightforward answer with that. Regarding section 35, good bit of knowledge, like it a lot, well played. Um, <laughs> come work for us. Uh, <laughs> the, the information which you may or may not be able to provide may assist me in making a, uh, a fully informed decision for whether that certain piece of legislation may or may not be, be able to use. It's very, very new legislation, came in just before Christmas. Um, it's not been used, so I've used it once for an antisocial behaviour problem, yeah. which is probably, which is probably, so it's probably got a, 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 a quite a specific aim for how it would be used. Um, I'm not saying it's not applicable to this particular problem. It might be. It would be a matter of me gaining a full intelligence picture and probably getting some more legal advice whether it could be used or whether it can't be used. Thank you very much. I'd just like to say thank you for the police to cut for coming. Uh, I, I think it's very important what they do. And I, I, also, I honestly believe that the job that they're doing is a very difficult job, and I appreciate the work that you are doing. My question to yourselves is clearly, whereas other antisocial behaviour uh, is, is funded directly from your own budget, clearly the, the funding for the work that you're doing today it com comes from the club. So ultimately, with, with the touts, um, if you require an additional amount of funding level in order to fulfil the remit to remove this particular issue from the club, then that needs to be put forward in your budget to the club. So my general point to you that I would like to make is, is with the Section 35, is with the, the level of policing above the community level policing, yeah, you know, the, the reality is there is a certain amount of onus on ourselves to report things, but ultimately you can infiltrate this system, you can um, prosecute, you can take a higher level of policing to this situation and deal with it. And so it shouldn't be falling back to us as fans. It is actually to, uh, on yourselves as, poli as a police force to deal with this particular situation and the funding is not an issue because the funding comes from the club. So I'm asking you to address this particular situation and not to be asking fans to have to report or take photos and stuff but to actually produce the covert action that is required to remove them from our streets. We can quite clearly see that the CCTV cameras, and whenever we come out of the stations, we can see the particular culprits. And yes, particular culprits have changed over years, but it is a very simple operation that needs to take place. Now, I'm not holding you two gentlemen to account, but they are effectively, the police need to step up their operation, and the funding comes from the club. So there is no excuse for not closing this down. I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not quite, quite clear what your question is, being, being, being honest. I think the question... So is your, is your question asking me about the funding from the club? Is that, is that your question? No, yes, my, my, my question is why, as, as active police on the floor, if you do not fulfill, feel you can fulfil the role of removing the touts, why do you not report this back and ask for additional funding yeah. to solve the problem? That's my question. The, the, it's, a very, I, I, it's a very difficult question for, for me to answer. Um, funding isn't an issue in dealing with this problem. Funding isn't, a, isn't, a, isn't an issue. 
I, I think I've already answered you answered your questions as to why the issues and why the problems exist for dealing with this problem. And I think to answer it again would be repeating myself. Could, could I could I address one issue that's been ignored here, and that is the reason why touting is so vile, and that is because it means that we get sitting next to us in the crowd people who shouldn't be there, people yeah. who are there to cause trouble. I had someone today who was coming out with language, which I won't repeat because Dave won't let me, but <laughs> in, front, in front of my daughters, I asked him to be quiet, he threatened me. If he'd been a season ticket holder or a member, I could have reported him and had him answer for what he had done. Yeah. But because he'd come in from a tout ticket, I couldn't. We get people, opposition fans coming in, all sorts of things, and it's a safety issue. It's taking away from our enjoyment, and it's an important issue. It's not just about people profiteering. It's about us and our physical safety in games. Um, hi. Uh, I, I think I'd, I'd like to suggest, really, I think, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, the, the problems you have as police officers uh, in doing something about the touts, and we all know who they are, so I, I don't accept that, that you don't see the same faces there every week, but it's that the law is just, is just badly written. It's a bad law, and it doesn't give you the necessary powers in order to deal with the people, and then you end up, um, you end up then maybe uh, harassing a, a, an ordinary innocent fan who simply has a spare ticket that they're trying to sell on at, at face value, and they're the ones that get arrested. But the people that are actually out there making a living out of it, are not, you're not touching them because the law is, is bad. I mean, is that right? You'll never get us to say that the, the, law, is, the law is bad, but the... Uh, the legislation at times doesn't assist us, doesn't make our life easy, is what I would say. But uh, I take on board what the, what the gentleman first of all said there with his, with his daughters, and that's a terrible thing to happen. And uh, I don't uh, agree with just because it wasn't a regular season ticket holder that he couldn't report it to the club, because those people could have been removed by stewards uh, if he'd reported it, potentially. That's a, a club issue, but that's my view they could do. Banning orders were put in uh, in relation to ticket touting. Because of back in the old days when teams were going into the opposition ends and engaging in disorder, uh, running up and down, etc., that was the big issue. We don't have that issue these days because of how times have changed, policing's improved, the ticketing issues has improved. But we need to have reports of those sort of things to again so that they can help us with the powers. What we have in when we get people eventually to court. For ticket touting, we are very rarely getting banning orders because there are two points to prove for a banning order. That this person has contributed or caused or been present at disorder. So has he or has he not for a ticket tout if there's nothing been happening there? And eliminate, and taking this male away from uh, the location, giving him a banning order for the exclusion zone period would prevent any disorder occurring. Well, if he hasn't caused or created or committed any or been present where there are any, how would eliminating, eliminating him take him away? So these people are making vast amounts of money on ticket touting and are quite happy to be up front with it because, one, they know how difficult it is for us to prove, and I take on board what you're saying about the CCTV. I do take on that board. But we all know that that person that we see week in, week out is selling tickets. But when you take it to a judge who's not been to Chelsea, might not be interested in football, might not understand how it works... 
All he sees is a man or a female talking to somebody else. And yeah, you say, well, and that's why we need this sort of evidence and proof so we can have it back up There's that evidence. way and do it that way. Right yeah, and I have got that leaflet there, and we've got that, and I've got that on board with it. And this is all part of our package that we're putting together because we are looking at other tactics to use. So I do take on board, so what you say about the ticket touting, and I do know these people, these ticket touts. I know them by name. The thing is, they know me by name. I liaise with them. I try and move them on because I know how difficult it is. And that the ticket touting isn't my priority role. It's one of my many roles, but it's not my priority role. And I try and engage with them to try and move them on to try and... Because one of the main, big factors that I hear is that people having to walk into the road, annoying people. Now the nuisance of that they're sitting next to them, uh, or the people they've sold tickets to are sitting next to them, etc. That's the problem. One of the main people that buy the tickets from the touts are tourists again. So when we go and speak to them, uh, and they don't speak English, that's a problem that we have. We're trying to get the statement. And then when we speak to them, oh, were well, you prepared to go to court, etc.? Well, I'm going home next week, and I'm not back in London for another two years. Th again, then straight away, we haven't got a we haven't got a victim, therefore we haven't got a witness, therefore no offence has been committed. They go back out, and that's what they know, and that's why they will prey on people. There are touts out there that speak many different languages and doing it that way. Right, we've got four more people who want to ask questions. Can we keep it brief? Because we've covered one subject and we're nearly halfway through. So um, I was at a Premier League supporter liaison officer at, uh, meeting at the beginning of the season and one of the Premier League executives when he was put to about touting said that basically it's just not a home office priority. Now with the difficulty that, that the legislation that was didn't get through Parliament, is that something, I don't want to put you on the spot exactly, but do you agree with that? Your hands are tied in certain capacities that you can't do what you would do to get rid of these people ultimately? I think we have answered that question on a different way is that it is very difficult the legislation is very difficult like I've said they're trying to get statements off people and I understand and, you know, at, at quarter to three today if I said to you is it okay if we go and have a uh, go back to Fulham Police Station take a statement off you could be about an hour realistically I know that you've all spent a lot of your hard earned money to go and support your team and we don't want to interrupt that and it's very difficult for that and then we can't make the uh, we can't, we're not going to arrest somebody and then say, well, we're just waiting for somebody. Oh, yeah. oh, actually, no, he's, he's going to have a beer with his mate like he usually does on a Saturday, and we can't take... We need the statements there and then, and that's the problem, one of the problems. Right, we're moving on. I would like to ask PC Wright what input or influence the British police have in policing of away games in Europe. I ask this question with specific reference to Spain and France. I think the issue that Chelsea supporters have had in Paris and Madrid have been well documented. I have personally suffered at the hands of Spanish police when filming their brutality on my mobile. I may be wrong, but nothing seems to get resolved and lessons not learned. If the relevant foreign force is not willing to engage or the club stroke UEFA not prepared to take action, would it be possible for some sort of restrictive action to be taking, taken in the policing of their fans in the UK? I realise that this may be seen as a two wrongs making a right argument, but I'm not suggesting they are pepper sprayed or beaten. <laughs> Depends who they are. <laughs> For, <laughs> For example, could we legally restrict... 
the sale of tickets. I do understand that this would necessarily involve more than one agency, but it may be that the police have a stronger voice than the supporters. Hang on. Wonderful discussion here, please. Hang on. What role, stroke powers, do the UK police that travel with supporters to European games have? Why are away supporters not held within the stadium after European games at Stamford Bridge? Right, my role when we go to uh, when we go to Europe, okay. The fixtures get drawn. Uh, let's say for this, for, let's talk for example Paris, okay. We're not going to talk about what's happened, but the build-up to how that worked, okay. I'm quite happy to explain everything that happened in that process. We obviously played Paris last year, uh, and there was an incident that occurred pre-match where disorder occurred uh, in the city of Paris. Uh, petrol bombs were thrown. And lots of items were thrown, street furniture, etc. And there was what we would describe as serious disorder occurred there. Then we get to the stadium. And inside the stadium, there was netting, uh, which was asked to be removed, not only by myself, but by the FA and by the, uh, the club, which I'll explain a little bit more what their roles are in, so in there. Uh, fireworks were set off by, the, by a small element of Chelsea fans, a, my, a very small minority, I'd like to say. Okay, uh, and that was the overall picture that, and that technically comes under the term of disorder incident as well, because I think if any of you were in the lower tier there, when it was burning on top of the net and then dropping down, I must admit at one stage I was thinking this could be very very bad, if that had gone up it would have been horrendous. So, we draw Paris again this year. Every European fixture, a pre-visit is carried out. At the pre-visit, our representatives of the club the FA, and Metropolitan Police. More often than not, it's myself. We will then meet with our counterparts. So first of all, we go to the, usually the role is to go to the stadium, have a look around the stadium, see what the setup is, where we think there are any issues. A prime example is for this, for this fixture in Paris. We said that it was no, last season, no one really knew where they could sit. Everybody was just going into lower tier and, and crushing there. So we said, how about making it easier or an upper tier was, a, I think, it was blue ticket this year, and the lower, lower tier was brown. That came from the meeting that we had. So we highlighted an issue there, and we resolved it. They'd removed the netting because, again, we were proved correct, and there was, it could have caused issues. I think it blocked quite a few people's views there as well. It was very poor there as well. So it's not just down to safety or, or, or fighting. It's the, the experience for yourselves as well. We then went and met the, uh, the Paris police. Now, this, the meeting was the week after the, the tragic incidents that occurred in Paris. So we were set a very tight time limit, and I met the Paris commissioner, uh, who I'd met the year previously. Now, because of all the incidents that occurred, he had, and I won't quote exact numbers, but he had uh, decided that he wanted to give Chelsea a very small number of tickets. I explained to him that the, uh, the actions that we'd carried out, uh, my view on what actually happened on that day where Paris supporters attacked Chelsea fans. But don't get me wrong, uh, once the Paris fans were moved away by police, elements of the Chelsea fans then tried to engage in disorder as well. But initially, the start of the disorder was committed by Paris supporters. What I'm saying now is, is not saying that any, 
everybody that was there of Chelsea supporters were innocent. Far from it. There were offences committed by Chelsea fans out there. Uh, and we I highlighted that. But I said that if the Paris group had been prevented from engaging in Chelsea fans, like countless European trips that we go on, there would have been no issues. We would have got to the ground. I highlighted the fact that once I'd spoken to the Chelsea fans that were there, calmed everybody down, got everyone together, that we made our way from the location, under the metro, all the way down to the stadium, with no issues whatsoever. Uh, I stand to be corrected there, but the groups that I was with, there was no issues all the way through to there. I said that the antisocial behaviour was, again, a minority with the fireworks inside. And that the real risk there was the fact of the netting that one had got caught on there. They shouldn't have been in that ground, the, the pyrotechnics. There's no two ways about it. And it, for some of you may know, three of them were thrown at me during the day outside the pubs. So that's the sort of thing that we did that I have to deal with week in, week out, unfortunately. So <coughs> highlighted that, and he was quite happy that then he gave the permission and everybody was waiting on, this on the commissioner to say, yes, I'm happy that Chelsea now have 2,000 tickets. There, that was a significant rise to what he was going to give. Believe me, a, a, a ridiculous amount increase, to be fair. And that's what my role is there. I then have to go back each, and I do a report on that, on that uh, trip. Then for each fixture, I liaise with the club, talk about uh, transport, how people are travelling out there, official trips, overnight trips, how I think people will get there. I understand that as soon as those balls get drawn out, the travel agents, whoop, up go the prices. Without a shadow of a doubt. So I have to then think about if I was a Chelsea, if I was travelling as a Chelsea fan, what way would I look to go to? Which way? And that's how I come and speak to people as well. How are you getting out there? What's the best way? To, and I can look into how things are doing. And I do reports there to explain to the local police that you don't need to look at the flight that's going from Heathrow direct into wherever. They will be looking at other ways of coming around. For you that, for those of you that follow, go with Chelsea aboard, you'll also know that there are elements from uh, other countries that follow Chelsea. We have uh, a bit of a Russian following, a Bulgarian following we've had as well, Dutch following as well. Uh, and then sometimes, obviously, if we go to Paris, for example, you have French Chelsea supporters, the locals, and have to cover that sort of thing. I then give a resume of what happens <coughs> at all the previous fixtures, highlighting any issues. But, for example, yes, Chelsea were involved in disorder with Paris. However, they were initially the victims uh, and were attacked by Paris uh, supporters. A small minority set pyrotechnics off. This isn't a regular occurrence. I think about two years ago, we were quite often getting pyrotechnics at away uh, domestic games. And that was highlighted, the same as what I do in domestic, saying that these were problems. If they go to, <coughs> excuse me, if you go to uh, countries where, where these are easily accessible, people are going to use these. I then inform them of those, how it's gonna, what's going to happen, uh, and basically give my details. And each country has to invite me to go to the game, to come and work the operation. Uh, and that is basically, the, my report is then put through, each country has a National Football Intelligent Police Unit, an NFIP, as it were. And we have to go through those people, certain authorities have to go through, and the reports go through that way. So, for example, now, the next European fixture, Paris, I am waiting for information from Paris. They are coming on a pre-visit, I'll be liaising with them, seeing what we've got. And I just assist with the operation in that side of things. Paul, a lot of people, um, particularly um, after the uh, incidents um, at Atletico Madrid, were coming up to you and saying, why ain't you doing anything about this? Look what's happening there. Can you explain what your role is 
during the game and whether you have any powers whatsoever when you're off your patch. No, definitely. I, uh, I'm there as a sort of an advisory, uh, uh, in an advisory role, but also go and communicate with, uh, with the fans. So more often than not, there's a very small, limited uh, number of officers that will speak English to me and they'll translate what their match commander would like. So he will, we, we will come into pubs, restaurants, cafes. You probably would all see me floating about. People are oh, undercover, I undercover. I'm not there undercover. The reason that I'm in plain clothes is because these give it away for a start, to be fair. But I'm not there as undercover. It's just the way that the majority of European forces work with their intelligence officers that it is plain clothes. And to be honest, it's a bit expensive on the excess baggage with my helmet and my vest and stuff like that, if I'm honest. So, which game, sorry? Paris, we were asked to step, if you, if you come out of the, uh, the gates onto the main road, and then you all turn left with the police, there was a turning on the right-hand side, we were asked to stand there, outside the ground. I was there bef- during the match, because there was a group of individuals, there was one lady, who, a young lady who had in- injured her ankle, had to try and get her out. The match commander had made the decision that no Chelsea fans, for whatever reason, were allowed to leave the stadium until he felt it safe. Now, at the, yes, there, there was, yes. I was, I've, I've heard, speaking to people, I have, I have heard that that's happened. What I would say is, and I, I know it looks from the outside, for those of you that don't know me, from the outside it may look like I'm, I was trying to avoid things. But I will make attempts to speak to everybody, or, or maybe not everybody, because not everybody wants to talk to me. But I will start trying to speak to people and say to people, you know, what happened? I, I've been kept over there. A prime example there was Atletico Madrid. Back in, I think it was 2009 we were there before, uh, we had a similar incident where people had been, uh, had been struck by police for whatever reason. Okay, I wasn't there when it happened, but I understand it was heavy-handed policing from Madrid. I'm not quoting that. That's not my view, but that's what I've, I've heard from a number of people. So this time when we were there last year, I asked specifically, can I be inside the stadium when it happens? Because some people listen to what I have to say. So there's a small element. I can try and calm people down. And it's always good to hear an English voice when you're trying to get your point across rather than listening to somebody who's got a visor down and a big shield that's just, say, just shrugging his shoulders. They said, no, 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 we don't do that. We don't do that. We don't get involved. We've not got, a, we've not got protective kit on. I said, I, I'm not worried about being assaulted or anything like that. I'd like to think that most people won't assault me. few people say they would, but hopefully not. But, so they said, no, 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 stand outside. So, so I stood outside, and I was like, well, we're nowhere near the away end. So I actually made my own way around to the away end because I'd found someone's passport that I wanted to try and identify as well to give to the passports. I didn't want to miss anything whatsoever. So I appreciate I wasn't going to be able to go in. I wanted to be the outside. So when I'm trying to find out what has happened, because people are coming out with head injuries, I took someone to a, a first aid. Bit. I am, unfortunately, the face of the Metropolitan Police or Chelsea Police, as people call me, and I became the target. And that at times it's very difficult to try and get the point across when every other word, or trying to understand what's happened, when every other word from somebody is F this, F that, you're this, you're that, you're this. I don't, I'm not interested in what you think of me. Tell me what's happened and explain. And then after each game, I then do a report again that goes into 
the NFIP highlighting issues. So for the Paris game that's happened, uh, we won't talk about what's happened on the train, but that will be reported there. However, the other issues that I will be mentioning will be the, the issues at the turnstiles, which they I said to them, you need to explain to them why it's taking so long. And I tried to speak to people at the back and say, the reason that it's taking so long is because the small minority at the previous game had set off fireworks. Everybody got fined, and they want to, I was. this is what I was being told by the French police, that they were being very thorough with their searches. I would suggest... Well, I was... Is that, no, no, and I appreciate it. And this, this helps me. So these sort of things now, I can say that I liaised with Chelsea fans, and they're saying there was no searching. I sort of put two and two together with the fact of how many fireworks and smoke bombs were set off by Chelsea fans again. And having seen images of those pyrotechnics, I'm pretty sure they didn't hide them very well, to be fair, because it had been very difficult, stroke very painful. So <laughs> that is in my report. I wasn't impressed with the fact that my... Met, I said to them that you need to speak to them. So they sent 10, 10 police officers in with shields and riot helmets. That doesn't set a very good example. That's not how we would do things in England. But, you know, we have to appreciate we're somewhere else. So I think, okay, maybe they are doing it as a safety reason. Visors up, explain. Next thing I know, the CS gas being sprayed everywhere. And I was seeing elderly gentlemen, young girls, young boys, very young, old, old women uh, being affected by it. It's not good at all. Not good at all. So that will be in my report there as well. So I then went into the ground and I tried to help the people. The young girl that had a, an ankle injury and there was a, a gentleman there who forgot his medicine for his heart, uh, his heart condition. I try and get those people out, but then because it looks like I'm just helping now, other people start trying, oh, well, what about me? What about me? I've got to catch a plane. I've got to catch a plane. And it, all these sort of things, I get abused constantly there. And I try and help people. Uh, but th that sort of thing will be put in the report as well. What I always say to uh, to the fan, to the to the away clubs as well is, or the sorry, the the hosting clubs is that you need to get the message out as early as possible to tell people if there's going to be a holdback. We all know eight nine times out of ten there will be a holdback, but they need to know. They need to know that. They need to know they can use the toilets because I think that was one of the causes for the first Madrid incident that a young boy wasn't allowed to use the toilet. So I said, you need to let them know this. You need to show them where it is. Think about where you're going to stand. If you're going to prevent them from coming down to the toilets, they don't have toilets to use then. So those, these are the sort of things that I relay. I do take on board everything that comes on. And I appreciate that people say, oh, a lot of people say, oh, he's just out on another jolly, et cetera, et cetera. But I try and speak to everybody and talk to everybody and see what's going on. Try and make it easier for yourselves. And I also try and calm police down a lot of the times because whenever we would have we've all seen it chelsea are coming headhunters are coming two thousand headhunters are coming to paris no they're not don't they're not, they're not there's not two thousand headhunters coming to paris don't worry about that and that you we, we laugh now but if i had a penny for every time somebody said to me so where are the headhunters how many headhunters are here how many thousands of headhunters are coming how many I wouldn't be standing there because I'd be on my yacht somewhere, sunning it up, to be fair. I can't say why they've done that. That's their decision. Uh, I, and it's, yeah, it's out of my jurisdiction. I, my hands are tied. I'm only an advisor. I do my best. And I've been there. I'm sure a few of you have been there and heard me trying to calm people down and things like that. Um. Go on. 
Um, with regards to PSG, both games, um, on the way out of the stadium, there's a very narrow exit, not much wider than some of the doors in this pub. Was that mentioned as part of your um, report, so to speak? Yes, it was. They, the reports are mentioned and highlighting issues there that they need to get people to the stadium early. Uh, that's why messages from the club are say to people, get there early. I appreciate that people have been, got there early and been in, in the queue. Uh, and getting out, it is highlighted. And, and what we do is when we take the reports, like, for example, the netting, we take pictures of what's happened. We highlight potential issues. If, and if we're, we're, um, we're honest here, if we all went down a gradual space, uh, you and me went down, Jim and Dave went down, yourself and Cliff went down, we'd all get there, no problems. But I highlight to them, people don't just go down there. You're not going to have someone turning up at 6 o'clock for an 8.45 kickoff to walk in. Everybody goes together, safety, not one person knows where to go. The others don't know where to go. And there will be groups. So it has come from... Exactly. And when they come out... Yes, exactly. I agree. I just like to make an observation that I've watched different sports around the world. And I must say, and Paul knows me well enough to know that I've helped out situations that have occurred. I've been to Paris three times, once to watch rugby and two to watch Chelsea in the last year. And actually thinking about not bother going. Because actually, even though I can speak some French, even though I try to help people out of the situations, I find it completely unacceptable that the way that the police are being, uh, are being uh, are treated and reacted. They're very surprised if I speak to them in French to, 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 make, to make comments to them. And, I don't, and, if, and if somebody has a problem, you risk assess it. In the same way to the officer, I wasn't allowed to respond to Paul. I just want to say, if you, get a resp- if you get a response from people saying, I expect all your officers to give indicators that if you've had a complaint about touting or whatever issue it might be, that you just say, not say writing anything down, I had a complaint about that, or, so, or an observation made. So you can produce some data and, and analytics that can be used in, in the thing. It's not rocket science, and I do your job within financial services. So I understand you want to have a risk-based assessment, have evidence-based to do it. But the policing of European games, particularly in France, particularly in Spain, and particularly in Italy, they're perfectly able to do it in Germany and Holland in a civilised manner. So it's not rocket science. I know it's not your fault, but the Metropolitan Police and the other British authorities and the FA and the football have to do something about it because I shouldn't be able to go to France, to Paris and Rome as a, as a rugby fan and be completely treated differently if I'm there uh, two weeks later as a football fan. It's ridiculous. No, I take that on board. And like I said, I'm only a, uh, a sort of a, an aide for the operation. It's not for me to tell them exactly how to do it. But the, one of the examples that I can use to say what I actually put in this report is... I think one of the most successful trips we had were well-policed trips. A lot of people come up and told me how good they were was Copenhagen. And I think if you remember, there were two blonde female PCs that went round everywhere and spoke to everybody. And everybody did exactly what they were told. I'll leave it at that. I know it's already been covered in, in, in a sense, but in your report, the way the police on Tuesday night handled getting out of the ground, it doesn't make sense to me to say to everyone, no announcement that I heard, 
that you're being held back. Then when they did allow us out, we all thought we were going out, but then they stop you. Then they hold you again. Then they open the gate at the top of those stairs, so you think, again, you're going out of the ground. Then they hold you at the edge of that running track or whatever it was. They hold those big gates closed. Then they open the gates, but it's only for their officers to go through. People thought they were leaving, so tried to leave. They then respond with batons and CS spray again. Now, I hope all of that is going to be the way they managed the going out of the ground as well as going in. They created a situation out of nothing, as usual. And that's the third time I've been PSG. Every time we've gone there, to me, their police have created an incident out of nothing. I will take that on board. I wasn't aware of the, uh, the CS and the, and the batons on the way out at that gate, but that will be on, uh, on the report as well. Do you want me to answer the question after Wrighty's life story about being kept in the underground? <laughs> we moved on from that. So the question that you had, one of the parts of the questions was, why do uh, the club not retain away supporters at the end, at the end of um, a European fixture at Stamford Bridge? Um, the very simple answer is, is we're confident in our police and operation not to do that. I, 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 can't, I can't give you any more of a, of a clearer answer than that. Um, I'm not saying it would never happen. I'd be very surprised if it did. It would be a decision that would be made by the club and the police, if it was a police decision, we would be looking for a very, 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 very high level of rationale to detain those people at the end of the ground. But the simple answer is we've got confidence in our police operation. Uh, it's um, not all down to the police to sort out the policing issues in Europe. It is, and sorry if I'm preaching to the converted, very much down to yourselves as well. You should also get onto your club. Um, I don't know whether they send your own club stewards over with you when you travel. They do. Okay. You should also have a supporter liaison officer that can su that should, in theory, play the role that Paul does, either working alongside Paul or, or separately. So that SLO, and SLOs are very well known all over Europe and used to maximum advantage. Get on to your club and just say we want a supporter liaison officer out there. We need a point of contact. We need that person to speak French. And everybody who was there that got sprayed or hit or pushed or shoved or detained right into the club and keep on their back. Don't just let that email disappear off into thin air. Write to them again in four weeks and say, right, what have you done with my report? What's happening? Back in 2010, Man United had a very torrid time out in Marseille and I coordinated loads of reports from United fans, sent them off to every single so-called stakeholder that I could think of, and the consequence of that was that when Arsenal went out there the next season, they had an entirely different and much better experience. So don't, sorry, again, don't want to sound like the head teacher, don't just give the police a hard time for what happened. Take some responsibility yourselves and write in and complain, and as I said, more importantly, keep on Chelsea's back as to what they've done with your reports and what they will do with them and what responses they've had from their counterparts in Europe. Why do the police feel it necessary to, pri to provide the personal information to a football club when somebody's been arrested but not yet been found guilty of an offence? What benefit does this have to the police? Does this not go against basic morals of of uh, English law? I'll put it's got the United Kingdom here, but of say English law that you are innocent until proven guilty. Um, 
It's a partnership partnership issue for, for me. We've got very, very clear uh, protocols of sharing information between both the club and ourselves. Um, the primary reason we look to share information of that is to reduce any type of crime disorder within the Chelsea footprint. Um, I stand by it. I think it's the right thing to do. Um, you mentioned morals, and I think it would depend on where your perspective is for whether you think it's a moral, uh, a moral issue to disclose or not to disclose. Um, the protocols are very clear. It's all fully, it's fully, fully uh, accountable, fully written down. It's a tried and tested product. It goes on at Chelsea, um, and it goes on, I would suggest, at the, the majority, if not all, of the clubs um, in the UK. What safeguards have the Metropolitan Police put in place regarding the protection of any information they provide? Can we break into your computers and see if you've nicked? I don't just read that, that particular It says, um, what um, safeguards have the Metropolitan Police put in place regarding the protection of any information they provide? I take it that's the informa information provided to Chelsea. The, the, the it would be an individual decision um, for what was disclosed by... Uh, Whoever would deal with that request, probably, probably Paul. Um, it's it's not a decision that would be made um, on an ad hoc basis, and it would be something which fully accountable and would be fully recorded. Right. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> even when people have not been tried yet, even when people have not had a trial or have not yet answered police bail, football clubs are banning supporters and offering no financial compensation for the ticket money the supporter has lost out on. Football clubs are private civilian organisations with civilian staff operating them. Therefore, I think not to be given... They I think it should not be given private information by the police. Yeah. Sorry. I haven't really got any more to add to the answer I've already given you. Okay. To How is video footage of supporters taken outside, inside grounds used, and what happens to it? The reason we use video cameras is to uh, obtain intelligence, uh, evidence of any offences, uh, and evidence of any potential banning orders that we may be looking at through the civil line under 14B. Um, <coughs> incidents that occur, we will we'll take video footage, we we'll take footage of people. If, for example, it's a, a, a fight's occurred at a pub, and there's people involved in that pub, we don't know exactly what's happened yet, and we haven't got all the CCTV. We will take video footage of people because... People wear hoods, etc., bright coats, blah, 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 and we can gain the best evidence there by looking back at it. If it's not uh, required anything, it gets deleted from my uh, from my footage. Uh, if we have anything that, but however, there may be a suspect in that that we are looking at potentially looking at carrying out a civil banning order one, so obtaining evidence. So that part of the footage <coughs> will remain. It will be if there were four people lined up, say for example. Head to toe, name, turn off, turn back on again, new new clip. Up and down, head to toe, name, turn off, back on again. To make one, to make it easier for me on the computer to delete the others because I'm not very good at computers. But two, for that very own reason that we can keep the specific part that we need. I think the extra piece of information there would be beneficial for you to know is that um, a decision for any overt filming um, is granted on an inspector's authority. So filming wouldn't take place at every single match. Um, it would be an uh, information and, and intelligence-led decision. As I say, would usually come through an inspector and or the match commander. 
No, I was just going to add to the information sharing because that's something I get a huge number of complaints about, not just in London but around the country. And I think the issue isn't so much you passing information back to your football clubs when a supporter has been arrested and or charged. It's the issue with passing... If a fan gets ejected, invariably the police are outside to take their name and address. Now, the ejection might have been for a civil matter, so therefore, in theory, you've got no reason to take their details. And yet the details are taken and they're passed back to the football club, and I'll try and make this generic and not specific, and then that supporter will be banned because, again, in generally football clubs tend to act purely on what you tell them and very rarely give the police, the, uh, sorry, the supporter the opportunity to answer what accusations are made. And also, um, and we raised this when we met with the Met with supporters from other London clubs, I'm frankly bored of hearing from supporters who are stopped and searched or just stopped in an account and made to account and then made to provide their personal details on camera. And to the best of my knowledge, you've got no real right to ask for people to disclose their personal details, let alone video them when they're doing so. And I think that's probably more of a concern than people who are the details of those who are arrested being passed back to the football clubs. Not so much a question, but more of an expansion on the questions that are raised, which I think is quite an important issue. Um, maybe we can catch up, catch up afterwards. I think there's probably a bit there which probably be, be beneficial in uh, us picking up. Um, there is legislation where you can ask for a name and address um, if, if anybody is... If you're summons, but if you're just stopping... No, there's some leg if, you're, if you're involved in antisocial behaviour, then we no, have the power to... That's probably okay. why we need to... Right, without okay. getting into... It's a, we're probably talking about a, a quite a, a technical uh, law-based answer. Um, I don't know whether you... Do you know each other? We <laughs> don't. I was going to say, are you two familiar with each other? But I thought... Again, I'm afraid just... <laughs> I, I have told my wife this is being put out online. I do have a big mortgage, and thanks very much. <laughs> yeah, but oh yeah, Amanda deals with the Football Sports Federation. She's the main point of uh, contact for anybody who's um, felt the long arm of you lot. <laughs> so um, she's quite... She's... Um, Quite, I was going to say experience there, but I better not. <laughs> but she's, um, she feels she gets phone calls eight days a week on this, and you know this is why we've invited her down to uh, to put the points of not just the Chelsea supporters trust and the members, but you know football supporters in general. What are you doing later? <laughs> it's me on the mic now. <laughs> what, what I would say is... Uh, what I would say is... Uh, I noticed you mentioned about you saying police officers are outside when people have been ejected. In my experience with Chelsea supporters, uh, the only real information I get from away games is those that have been arrested. And uh, I understand what people are saying about innocent until proven guilty but Chelsea and uh, and the Metropolitan Police work together to prevent crime and disorder occurring in and around the stadium now I'll give you a pro and I'll give you an example it's not uh, an example of anybody here or anything anybody involved 
But let's give some. And, uh, someone has punched somebody inside the stadium, and we he, that person is now on bail, pending CCTV. They go to the game next week. The, the following week, they go to the home game. The following week, the person they punched in the Chelsea end sees that person. The person then who's on bail hits him again for saying telling the police. That person falls down, bangs bangs the head, and dies. There's where we're talking about whether it's the right thing or not to do. I appreciate what you said about dramatic, but I'm just trying to get the point there of what, how it comes across. Right, okay, we're going to uh, another question now. Uh, the enforcement of uh, cri- the Crime and Disorder Act, Stroke Public Order Act, words or behaviour likely to cause offence. There's a great deal of abusive language during the game. How do the police deal with complaints regarding this, if not racist? If this, is this different to the spaces outside the ground but still within the confines of Stamford Bridge, public places such as the Fulham Road railway stations, tube stations, Fulham Broadway shops, etc.? Uh, it's a personal bugbear of mine that um, normal Friday night behaviour, because it's Saturday at 3 o'clock or Tuesday at 8 o'clock or whenever the Sunday at 4 o'clock, whenever the kickoffs now choose to be, is that there's a general acceptance that uh, everybody's standard behaviour dips. Um, it shouldn't do. It's a, it, I guess it's a fact that it does. Um, I would encourage you all, if you get these type of issues, then you need to report it, um, and every instance would be taken on its own merit for if action took place or not. What are the factors that cause the police to ask for, in brackets, demand, reduced ticket allocations for cup games? If we'd have got Millwall the other week, would you have given them 200 tickets? It's a really, really complex answer. We'll try, but I don't know if we can quite give it justice, to be honest with you. It is uh, complex and one overtime, so I'm sure the boss won't want me to uh, take too long. But let's start. Uh, no, on a serious note, for every single game that we have at Stamford Bridge, there are partnership meetings where there are Chelsea uh, officials, Metropolitan Police and... Hammersmith and Fulham Council. Uh, each game, each team has, has an officer like myself who does a report to say the general behaviour of fans, how they've been away, what they will be like. Because, as we all know, Chelsea fans, if we had 1,500 fans away somewhere, would be completely different to 6,000 Chelsea fans away on the same day, same location, be completely different. So you have to bear all of that sort of things in mind. The kickoff time plays a factor. Obviously, a half five on a Saturday. Fans' behaviour is is completely different to what I would I would say one o'clock on a Sunday or even twelve forty-five on a Saturday. Completely different. So we have to review all of those sort of factors, see how it works, and uh, see what the behaviour has been like, any issues between the two sides, and all those sort of things come together to come to a view of whether there'll be a, a ticket allocation uh, lower than uh, the regular one. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, I'd just like to say that I can't remember the Met actually objecting to many uh, ticket reductions. In, in, uh, for the only one that I can think of in, in the past, uh, recently, I think when we played at Leeds, the Yorkshire Police uh, restricted the number of tickets we had up there for the League Cup game. But certainly I, don't, I can't remember the Met ever reducing Chelsea's ticket allocations. Right, I'm going to move on. Um, I would like to ask Paul Wright if he could explain why some stewards take it upon themselves to interrupt players' celebrations frequently 
when they aren't posing a danger to the crowd. Surely this is beyond their remit. It smacks of a chance to appear on TV. <laughs> I, I can't. Uh, hang on. Uh, sorry. There's three. three here. Uh. Okay. <laughs> Pass. Okay. Um, there's been a lot of recent publicity given to incidents involving different club stewards detaining supporters in what can only be described as headlocks, which I believe is something the police are not allowed to do. Should stewards, therefore, be cautioned or even arrested if this happens? And uh, the third part of this uh, in this section is, are the police happy with the way that club stewards act both inside and outside grounds? There have been lots of instances where stewards have created problems, but the police have then had to res- that the police have then had to resolve. Could there be better training for stewards? Right, the first one about the stewards on the pitch. Uh, fir- well, firstly, the stewards are the club's responsibility. They they work for the club. They're nothing to do with us. We don't tell them what to do. We don't train them. Having seen the uh, the questions uh, that Cliff kindly sent to us before, I did do a little bit of uh, groundwork for you to see what the, uh, the the level is that they require to train. Uh, Chelsea have two sets of stewards, your sort of your regular stewards that you see in the stands. They have to do a, an MVQ level two, uh, and that's the training that they have. And the team, then they have a, a red team that comes in to deal with any potential uh, extractions from the crowd. They have to be SIA trained, which is the, the equivalent of a door where they a, a doorman, and they have to do certain certain training, certain training, uh, personal safety, etc. Uh, re headlocks. The only thing I will say is that you mentioned there that police can't use headlocks. Police can use reasonable force or force they feel necessary. If we feel that we need to restrain that male by putting him in the headlock. Okay, I'm not saying we're going to put him in a headlock for 12 hours while he's in custody, but if we need to put him into calm down to put leg to put leg restraints on, arms on, etc. If he's spitting, headbutting, then that power can be used. But yeah, but I we're think not be Paul, to the, 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 the actual question regarding the headlocks was: Are the police happy to see stewards doing it? We're not. Uh, we're not talking about the police. Every, everybody is ultimately accountable for their own actions. You know, uh, and, and ultimately, uh, my cops are accountable for their own actions. A headlock isn't something which is Home Office approved. We get t- we get taught lots of techniques which are Home Office approved. So a headlock isn't one of them. But if somebody was trying to kill you, you'd be perfectly justified putting them in a headlock. So if that's I w- what it comes down to. The same level, the same it's reasonable force. So if a steward felt he was he or she was justified in using that technique, the same uh, level of accountability applies to them as it does a police officer, the same level of accountability that would be to you if you walked out the door and were threatened by that man there in the outstanding coat, you could use whatever force was reasonable to defend yourself against him. Exactly the same levels of force. Exactly the same. Massive issue. Um, With stewards invariably making bad situations far worse than they actually are and I had a young man in a wayfan at Stanford Bridge recently um, who, who was clumped on the side of the head by a steward and unfortunately he reported that no action was taken and again that's another concern a general concern not a Chelsea Pacific um, concern the police do tend to be very dismissive of supporters when they complain about stewards I would say if you have those type of issues, you need to fully report it. Everything would be investigated on its own merit. Right, OK, we're going to move. Sorry, didn't he? 
No, I'm not dismissive of it. I'm saying if matters are reported to it, everything would be treated on its own merit. I'm not dismissing any type of allegation like that. Unfortunately for you, uh, Jim, uh, before you two came, Amanda took us through the procedure of how to report a police officer. So, um... <laughs> right, OK. Right, hang on. Right. OK, um, another question. Um, the forthcoming cup final against um, that team from North London is fast, is fast approaching. What is the police view about the Y word? Why is it deemed okay for that lot to use it and not the Chelsea fans, supporters? Will arrests be made over the use of the word? Does the same apply to the Chelsea, <laughs> hello darling, rent boys phrase? Is this not homophobic abuse? Well, I had a lot of people come up to me and mention the, uh, the issue with the rent boys. Uh, the terminology uh, and abuse that's come through there. So what I did was I, I, I went and liaised with our public order crime team and said, look, I need some guidance here because this is becoming quite often where people are saying, oh, they're singing this, they're singing that. Is this not homophobic? Where do we stand with that? So that was sent off to the uh, legal services for their advice. What They looked at it and said that, and please let me finish before you, uh, <laughs> before you laugh, that they say... That uh, rent boy is not a homophobic comment because you do not have to be homosexual to be a rent boy, and that is that is the guidance that I have been given. So I appreciate that. I appreciate the people's views on that, and that's it. But I have made the effort to try and try and deal with that and look into that. That's the response I've got. Like uh, it was said earlier on, I don't make the law; I just work uh, as an agent of the law. So that's what I'm trying to do. Read the read the Y word. As you would have seen, there was a lot of uh, a lot of coverage, and I, I think Amanda, you may have been involved in dealing with all that sort of thing with uh, Mick Johnson, who's now in charge of the uh, the NFIP. Drop a few names there, just in case it comes on top. Uh, they looked at uh, prosecuting Tottenham fans singing the uh, the Y word, uh, but they've realised that now that it's not an offence, and it's not an offence for Chelsea fans or any other fan to use the Y word. However, it needs... However, 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 if there are aggravating factors to the use of the Y word, then it becomes an offence. So if they all come up at what the basics now, let's say they're walking along Fulham Road, they've come out of Ham uh, Fulham Broadway, Yid Army, Yid Army, Yid Army, and you say, uh, F off Y word, or, uh, you know, or, or go away Y word, then, then that's... Although not technically acceptable, but it's not straight away a racist a racist comment. If we start saying about, and we we know the sort of songs and the comments that get mentioned, so I don't need to go on to them, but if those sort of terms get on about going to certain places in Poland, etc., uh, etc., et okay, you know, people, pe people snigger, but these things do go on, okay? It's not right. I'm not here promoting it, but I'm just explaining what is wrong. And those were the, uh, that's the, the boundaries that we're working with. Appreciate, like I said, Amanda was there. I'm, I, I think that's pretty much how it how it is, isn't it? Really, to be fair, I hope I've hit the nail on it. I hope I've come come across quite clear there. Just on that point, personally, I think um, standards have got to improve amongst the supporters, and they should um, police themselves when it comes to uh, singing um, quite a lot of uh, what goes on at football matches. But in regard to what you said, they um, 
from top, from top, uh, I can bribe myself, bring myself to say, it. went to Rome to see the Pope, for instance, and you know how it ends, Tottenham are a bunch of, does that, how would that song be sung? Because yeah. it is quite yeah. popular. I don't, like the, I don't like the question, what's your view, but I'm under the impression there, with how I've described there, I appreciate about the, uh, he tells them to go away. Okay. <laughs> yeah. In a certain way. But the way that we're using the term, the Y word there, personally, I don't think it, is, it falls into the category of you go away, F off, isn't it, the, the, the right way, but you know where I'm going no, with I'm this. But the, the end where they go and Tottenham Folks, if you're in it, uh, folks, if you're in it, you just don't sing it, do you? Similar as that, really. I can't yeah, be any more prescriptive than that. Look, thousands, hundreds do, Jim, and I'm just saying, you know, will they get arrested? But I'm not promoting it. But the end of the day. Spurs fans get arrested. No, Chelsea supporters, because it's a very well, it's popular... Well, it's all about content. Yeah, but then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. No, he's made the content of um, it being the song. What is the police take on it, or the law's take on it? I think if you want me to give me specific, if you're asking me for that specific song in that specific instant, it hasn't been tested, and I can't give you an answer for how it would be how it would be actual. Okay, just just like to add something to that that um, Dave, I and uh, Dave, me and Amanda are meeting the, the Met Police at Scotland Yard on Tuesday with regard to the policing and, and stewarding of, of next week's cup final. So if you've got any issues you want us to raise about anything to do with that that match be it the wire word, be it the, the Rent Boys stuff, whatever, let us know and we'll raise it on Tuesday. One more, a uh, couple of quick questions, because right, um, we're going to bring this meeting to a close. Recently, after the match... Sorry. Recently, the after-match queues for Fulham Broad Bay Tube Station have been managed by an outside security firm. What is the reason for this, and are the police happy about it? I wish I could give you the quick answer to that one. Um, Yes, it has happened. Um, there was a handover process since um, uh, around about the start of December. Um, police resources are being looked at across the delivery of, um, it, we call it aid, so basically large-scale events. That's, what, that's, what, that's the generic term we give it. Um, so the, the uh, supply of resources has been looked at in all, uh, all events of that nature. Um, ultimately, cops should only be doing what... Uh, our core role is our core role is uh, to prevent crime and prevent disorder um, that particular deployment dealing with what is essentially a queue is a stewarding issue so it's gone over to a stewarding company um, it was a full handover process involving lots of meetings uh, pre during and post um, and to answer your question uh, yes we are happy with the service that's being delivered right, okay. up to date one more final question. Um, with pubs in Earl's Court being designated for away fans and on a number of occasions these fans having been escorted to Stanford Bridge, this has resulted in ground entrance problems several times this season. Does the Met have any plans to review this procedure or will it remain the same for the foreseeable future? I think it's a common known fact that, it, it, that a couple of times uh, this season we have had issues uh, with the entrance of away fans into grounds. Um, the whole process is uh, always subject to review. We carry out various partnership meetings um, to do with all our matches and we have reviewed uh, that particular incident. Um, I would say moving forward, 
I can't tell you that it will never happen again. I, I think it, a dealing with crowds of, uh, of any type of away fans takes place on a very, very much match-by-match -match basis. It depends on the risk that they, they present. Um, it's a tactic which does have implications in moving people from uh, one place to the other. Um, it would be a decision that would be uh, very well documented um, and I like to think that we are now in a, uh, a better place to deal with things tactically having uh, debrief uh, incidents in the past. Right, thank you very much. I think that's um, it. Um, so we've uh, had to move on. Uh, we're going to have to move on. We've spent a little bit longer than we should have really but um, I'd like to thank uh, Jim and Paul on behalf. Very, I mean, I think everybody's found this useful. There's been a wide range of questions on a range of issues, and it helps you understand what, what the concerns of Chelsea supporters are. OK, just a few final issues. When people leave, if they could take the glasses up, just to help, help, the, help the bar staff. Um, then if there's anyone here who's not a member of the Trust, Neil has some membership forms, very happily take the money sitting at the back. As I say, the minutes will be out in a week or so. The next meeting, we have these quarterly, is due in May. It's quite possible we'll do what we did last year, make the last meeting of the season a virtual general meeting, because, to be honest, you know, the last year's worked quite well. We have 50 people in the room, 60 people, apparently, in the, in the room, but last time we had about 5,000 or so listening to the podcast. So the AGM will definitely be, which will be in August, will definitely be a face-to-face -face meeting, but it may well be that it, we do the, the next meeting as a virtual general meeting. Depending on how things go, what the issues are. But, and, and a little final point for mine, thank you all for coming. Thank you for taking the time. Sorry we've slightly overrun, but I think, hope you'll think it was worthwhile. And we'll see you next time. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.